0: Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you.
1: Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio.
0: Morning again. I'm Carmen LaVerge. Here's a question for you. The answer you get two, two options here. The answer is more or less. All right? So it's just two options. The answer is either more or less. Here's the question Do parents today spend more or less time with their kids than parents in the 1970s? So we could have like one of those, but you don't have to make up the answer because the answer is either more or less. So fill in the blank in your own mind right now, or you could say it out loud because it's fun to talk to yourself. I like to, I mean, you know, I actually have a job where, yeah, people who talk to themselves, it's, it's, this is a perfect job for us. All right. So, but I'm talking to you right now and I would like to know your answer to the question. So go ahead and answer me back out loud. Um, The answer to the question. Do parents today spend more or less time with their kids than parents in the 1970s? Paul, what do you think? More or less? Well, I'm looking at it. Uh, no, for me, I didn't spend a lot. I mean, working with my dad on the farm and such, but otherwise I was that's, off doing my that's own thing. Time. No, that's, that's time. True, with, that's true. That's hmm. true. But, you know, a lot of it was we could we were run off with no. our friends to go, you know, play in the woods or whatever. I, I would yes. say more time. Yes, you're right. Parents ding, today ding, spend ding. more time with their kids than parents in their 70s because parents in the 70s gave kids bikes and told them to leave, like, like right? <laughs> yeah. Go or skateboards or. And there was a lot of freedom. We had at least the. I mean, we thought, you know, we thought it was safe to be out there running around. Um, we played kick the can. We, you know, we had a bet like Went a fishing. A, a, like a bell that my mom would ring, like this loud bell that like, oh, wherever you were in the neighborhood, you could hear it. And, and you know, you got to hop on your bike and ride home. Um, so, yeah, parents actually spend more time with their kids today than parents in the 1970s. Here's the stat for you. Today's parents spend more time and notably more money on their children than in prior generations Um, working moms spend as much time with their kids as stay-at-home moms did in the 70s. That's really notable. Um, Moms spend nearly five hours a week on activities with their children compared with just an hour and 45 minutes in 1975. Um, But parents today, particularly single moms, worry that's not enough. They worry that that five hours a week that they're spending on activities with their kids isn't enough. Even though in 1975, stay-at-home moms only spent an hour and 45 minutes intentionally with their kid. So anyway, so, uh, so the question here is under parenting, over parenting, or just the right kind of parenting. So, um, it's a, it's a good question. Did you even know that over parenting was a thing? Like you can spend too much time with your kid for their own uh, social normal development. So over parenting refers to, uh, parents who get overly involved in their children's lives. Uh, they engage at what are considered excessive levels in terms of protection and control. I mean, there was one period of time when I might have called these helicopter parents, but now they're like bulldozer parents. They like clear the way for their kid um, so that there's just nothing in their path and it's perfectly level. Uh, so research has shown that kids with hyper-involved parents have more anxiety and less satisfaction with life. So you don't want to hinder their development, you don't want to overparent them. Um but you also don't want to um outsource your parenting completely, right? I mean, this child has been entrusted to you as a sacred trust from God. So let me just give you one quick outsourcing example. This is this is now some of you are going to think, well, Mindy is Mindy has just really taken advantage here of a market opportunity and um this is a clever uh development in a capitalistic society. So you could view that from that lens, Mindy Horwitz helped Emma Fernstein move in to her college dorm. She got her an internship. She took her to lunch when she had a bad day. Um, Horwitz, however, is no actual relation to Emma. Uh, Mindy is, for $450 a year, plus any expenses related to it, um, she performs some of the same duties for students that you would ordinarily expect from their own mother. So she's a college student concierge. So some parent, Emma's parent in this case, has outsourced this responsibility to Mindy. So that might be under-parenting, but there's also over-parenting. So raising, raising a child consists of a million decisions. There's just no question about that. And so let us be people who are raising up children in the way they should go. Let us be investing time and energy. Let us be shepherding their hearts. Um and let us strike that balance between overparenting and underparenting and let's just be good parents. All right, uh, on that vein, we uh we look for help from people like Adam Holtz at ministries like Plugged In. To help us navigate, what are the things that uh, our little the, the little ones in our lives or the younger ones in our lives should and shouldn't be consuming in terms of media? So Adam's going to join us next. Um, we're gonna we're gonna lead off with uh, Coach Prime. Do you know who Coach Prime is? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Adam Holtz is back from Focus on the Families, Plugged In: Overparenting or Underparenting. Adam, what did, what what do you know about parenting in the 70s and our perception of uh, of our own parents and ourselves as parents now? What's well,
1: the connection? Well, I think that one of the things that's changed, and there's a plugged-in angle here too, uh, and obviously I work at Focus on the Family, so we spend a lot of time thinking about parenting, um, but one of the things that we have to talk about is the perception that things are far more dangerous today than they were in the 1970s. -hmm. And the reality is by most statistical measures, violent crime, kidnapping, all of this stuff that we are fearful about, the 70s were far more dangerous statistically than today is. That we're actually a safer society. And so you're, you're like, what, how could that be? What has changed? is because of our 24-7 news cycle, because of social media, because of Amber Alerts, because of all of this stuff, the reality is actually better, but our perception has changed because the media says things are much, much, much worse. Um, And so, you know, I think most people would say, oh, you know, it's not like it was back in the day where we could just let kids be kids. I'm like, well, actually, it's better today than it was back then. And so, That's in play too. And, and I'm not advocating under parenting here, but I think, you know, if your kid wants to go out for a four hour bike ride and not check his or her cell phone. And and that's the other thing. I mean, when I was growing up and when you were growing up in the summers, I would leave home at nine or 10 in the morning. I might go to football practice. I would go to the pool for a couple hours. I would go do my paper route. I might go hang out at a friend's house. I might literally be gone and out of contact from my parents for 12 or 13 hours a day, and nobody was concerned about that, right? Nobody was checking in, nobody had AirTags on me, nobody was checking my geolocator to make sure I wasn't where I was supposed to be. Um, And there wasn't this hyper-vigilance. And so I think the technology has enabled us to become hyper-vigilant to a place where it's we're practically neurotic about our kids safety so yes bike helmets and seat belts and knowing where your kids are that's a good thing but man your kids being able to just go explore and play and be outside that's a good thing too and i think that that has been a casualty of our our information age
0: yeah. I mean, uh, eventually Mary and Joseph got pretty exercised and searched out Jesus when he was 12 years old, right. but it like took two days to notice that he wasn't with the group. Exactly.
1: So exactly. Yes, I, I mean, I do. It was a couple of days. <laughs> it was a couple so, of and, days. and I don't want to be, I don't <laughs> no, want to be naive. Obviously no, there are threats out there that we have to be aware of. It's not that, you know, there aren't bad actors out there. there of course there are predators. Sometimes kids do get kidnapped, but The reality is our perception of the danger in the world is inaccurate, and it's absolutely fueled by media technology and social media.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. I want to talk about Coach Prime. Uh, He is now in Colorado. If you're not aware of this, his name is Deion Sanders, and he took uh, not only his own boys with him, but a bunch of boys. Um, from the, uh, the the football program that he was engaged in to the one he's engaged in now. So Adam Holtz is going to tell us about Coach Prime. And, and and you're wondering why we're talking about this. Well, it's Friday and it's football day uh, here on Wednesday It's football. Friday. So we'll, we'll be right back. Uh, do you remember I'm OK, You're OK? So it was this uh, 1967 self-help book. Um, and it apparently, uh, made its way onto the New York Times bestseller list in 1972. Now I was not a reader yet, like so, but it was still around when I became a reader and I'm okay. You're okay. Um, is a, is maybe something that as a turn of phrase you recognize, here's a different question to ask yourself. Are you really okay? How do you answer the question when somebody says, Hey, you Okay. And why do you ask that question of somebody else? So just for a moment, consider the last time you asked someone if they were okay. What motivated you to ask the question? My guess is it was you had a perception that they were not okay. (laughs) So what does that mean we should be thinking when somebody asks us if we are okay? They clearly have a perception that we're not okay. So I'm not okay. And you're probably not okay. So let's get real with each other um, about about this truth. Deb Fletta is going to join us next. Um, we're going to talk about the question, are you really okay? And once you're honest with yourself, how to move forward from not being okay to, well, being actually healthy. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Adam Holtz is here from Focus on the Families, Plugged In. He also lives in Colorado, so he's a little bit closer to all the craze. Um, who, who is Coach Prime and why are we talking about him today?
1: Well, Coach Prime is Dion Sanders, who obviously had a storied fourteen year n f l career and you know I think that he was a guy who during that career, put his money where his mouth was right i mean he was outspoken, he was loud, he was brash. The interesting thing is that he is a man of deep faith, and so he is causing a lot of ripples, and he's come in and the Colorado Buffaloes, who won one game last year and were, you know, in the basement uh, of their of their, uh, you know, <laughs> division, um, they he is he's taken them and they're already three and zero, and they started out the season beating TCU at TCU, and TCU played in the national championship last year. All of that to say, um, he has come in and he has really emphasized some values that I think are incredibly countercultural today. Uh, hard work, discipline, uh, an integrated approach to character. Uh, and he doesn't have much tolerance for anybody who's not on board. In fact, some 50 members of the team from last year, he basically came in and said, I want you all to leave. Uh, and in an interview he did with 60 Minutes, he said, you know, if, if you responded to that, you aren't for us. And if you know you're supposed to be here, uh, then you, you stuck around. Um, and the other thing that, that is significant is just his emphasis on faith, his emphasis on his Christian faith, talking about Jesus. Uh, and one of the things in that interview that I love that he said, he said, truth is good for kids. Mm-hmm. We're so busy lying, we don't recognize the truth anymore in society. And so I think there's a sense of accountability that is grounded in his faith and you know boulder colorado is one of the most liberal progressive woke left-wing communities in the united states i would put it up against anything it's you know here in colorado we call it the people's republic of boulder right um we have we joke about it um and deon sanders is as evangelical as an evangelical christian gets and so he has riled up some people there are people who don't like his message and don't like his tactics. Uh, but by the same token, you know, he's getting results. And and ultimately, I think that success certainly speaks volumes to to his approach. Uh, and it's getting people's attention.
0: So a couple of, a few observations. Um, I, I thought the truth is good for kids was just a great part of the 60 Minutes piece as well. Um, yeah. I thought the attempts by the interviewer to, um, to dig and um, I thought Deion Sanders handled um, publicly probably as well as he could. Uh, I mean, he is yep. a very high-profile Christian um, who has uh, who has a job in a in an incredibly secular environment. Um, he yep. praises Jesus and he thanks God publicly every chance he gets, and I appreciate that. Um, yep. And it's real for him. I also appreciate yes. that, like he's a real dad. I mean, in a yeah. day and time when too many kids don't have dads. Deion Sanders is a real dad. His kids yep. are on this team, um, and they are bright, shiny lights, and they are leaders, and you can tell, um, and he's raising boys to be men, real men, and he's raising other coaches with him as he rises, like, and and so there are things about his maybe flash and bravado that some Christians would point to and say, well, that's not humble enough to be Christian, um, and then I, I have to remember the environment in which he 's operating and i don't um i don 't pretend to understand um, uh, first of all black culture well enough, nor the experience right. of of coaches at this level um and so I think that um you know those bring with them um i mean i guess I think about pastors who um maybe are flashier and and have some visible demonstrative wealth in in ways that don't fit my understanding or model but in the communities that they're serving it's really important and so you know context is everything and so i want to i want to celebrate my brother in christ i want to um i want to praise him where praise is due and you know and and I want to, and I want to root them on, and also recognize they're probably going to lose to the Oregon Ducks. Like it just really would be nearly miraculous for them to win this weekend.
1: <laughs> well, I think they would have said it was nearly miraculous at what they did in TCU. So I think anything's <laughs> possible here. And I also think that uh, Deion Sanders has his head screwed on straight. Right? Yeah, I do like, too. I do too. Yeah, he's committed to winning. But my guess is. At some point, they will lose, and he will use that as a teaching opportunity for bigger lessons.
0: 100%. percent. Um, okay, so many things we could talk about um, that we don't have time for. You guys need to go to PluggedIn.com. There's a couple of things on the blog right now. One is about looking back to the classics. I highly recommend that as you're thinking about what to watch over the weekend. Um, there's also a piece on um, it's called the, that magical mystery thing called music. It's about the power of music and how it influences our lives. So um encourage you to check out both of those things on the blog. Why don't we do a couple of super quick reviews, Adam, give us spy kids Armageddon.
1: Uh, this is the fifth spy kids movie. It's about children whose parents are spies, and they don't know it, and uh, some bad (laughs) actors manipulate the kids and uh, cause all sorts of mayhem, and the kids have to come to the rescue. Fun movie. It's rated PG. It's on Netflix. It feels like a 1970s Disney movie, and it doesn't really have any content. And that is fantastic. Uh, And then we also have The Inventor, uh, which is a movie in theaters, actually, it is a claymation animated movie about Leonardo da Vinci's search for the soul, which there's a lot of spiritual content here, but I think that some of the conclusions that the movie and its representation of da Vinci that it reaches, uh, it doesn't really jibe with a Christian understanding of the soul. But, but a remarkably spiritual movie and one that I think could be a conversation starter, definitely.
0: That's good. You know, we, like, need, we need conversation guides sometimes. For some of these, like if you're going to watch this, here are a few questions you might ask um, yourself and others. Um, All right. I have one more thing to watch this weekend that didn't make your list. An asteroid sample is expected to land in Utah. I mean, like we know it's where it's going to land, which I think that's pretty extraordinary. It's going to land on Sunday. NASA intends to recover it. It already has teams. They've been training for months for the arrival of this asteroid in the Utah desert. So if this wow. all goes according to plan, um, this uh, this is going to return the largest sample collected since Apollo astronauts brought back lunar rocks decades ago. Wow! Dun dun dun! Well, I
1: mm-hmm. hope it's. Not I think we sent. Here they expect.
0: <laughs> no, no, here they know how big it is because they sent. Okay. this is we have gone apparently out into space and captured an asteroid, and it's now in a capsule that's going to land in the utah desert it's nasa's capsule okay so it's not a they collect it
1: through the atmosphere it's not screaming
0: hot through the atmosphere with uh no sense of control no this is a planned this is not like that f-35 that they lost in south carolina no Uh, no they know where this is going to land Mm -hmm. okay that's the most viral video out there by the way is the guy being interviewed who heard the crash landing of the F-35 and just kept shaving in his bathroom.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, he
0: heard it. It crash landed. behind. Oh, oh, you don't have to look far. So just Google (laughs) F-35 video and uh, and he will come up. His name is Mr. White and he lives in Williamsburg County, um, South Carolina. It's the most authentic on air interview you will probably ever hear. It's so great. It's he's so he's 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 delightful. His home is beautiful. Um, He lives there with his wife. He retired, um, having worked his whole career at the paper factory. Um, Anyway, it's just it's it's a it's a fantastic, delightful interview. And it has tens of millions of views. So, wow, there you go. Well, that was my opportunity to pitch that. And I didn't even have it in my notes. Adam, as always. (laughs) Thank you so much, man. We love it. You guys check out what's what's posted right now at PluggedIn.com. All the resources really you need to be engaging with the media of the day. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Deborah Folletta is back with us today. You can connect with her and all the resources that are available um, through her counseling ministry at DeborahFolletta, F-I-L-E-T-A dot Deborah, good morning. Good morning. All right, let's just get real. If somebody asks me if I'm okay, I should probably pause and ask myself, why do they perceive me to not be okay? Because otherwise, why would they ask?
2: Yeah, I think that's a really great observation. Most people don't ask you how you're doing, if you're okay specifically, unless they perceive something. And, you know, Carmen, you know me, but there's a little bit of sarcasm in the title of the book because typically when you ask someone, are you okay? They just quickly respond, yeah. But but the question is, are you really? Are you mm-hmm. really okay? Because most of the time we're not. And I think specifically in Christian culture, oftentimes we feel like we have to be okay. So we respond that way without actually taking inventory of how we're doing. Okay. So let's do a
0: little inventory. How how do I assess my okayness? What What does it mean? <laughs> Yeah. What does it mean? I where what does where it do even you even mean? begin? Where do I begin and how do I, eval- I mean, I could look in the mirror and say, oh, clearly some things are not okay. Right. So there's yeah. like a, like, but, but how do I evaluate that, you know, internally? Cause
2: we want to have an in, inside out conversation, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think the first thing is to realize that uh, I'm probably not doing as well as I think I am. And that's okay. One of my favorite research studies is called the better than average effect. And what they did was they went around and asked people to rate themselves on a scale of, you know, how how good do you think you are at parallel parking? And how kind do you <laughs> think you are? And how moral do you think you are compared to your peers? Believe it or not, the average person rated themselves as better than average. So, So the majority of people thought that they were better than average but here's the thing mathematically speaking we cannot all be better than average somebody has to fall below the mean so so people have a tendency to see themselves as better than they are the the most interesting thing about this study is they they said well maybe this is just like people in the suburbs maybe certain people groups just think of themselves as better than they are so they took the same study to the prisons and guess what Mm -hmm. same results. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So whether you're a pastor or a prisoner, there's a good chance that you likely think that you're doing better than you are. And when Jesus calls us to love the Lord, our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, I believe he lays out the parameters because those are four quadrants of health. Heart represents emotional health, soul represents spiritual health, mind represents mental health, and strength represents physical health. So where do we begin? We begin there. We start by looking at those four quadrants and asking ourselves how we're doing in each of those areas. All right, do the four quadrants again, so we can do a little bit of a checkup in each one. Heart is our emotional health, soul, spiritual health, mind, mental health, and strength, is our physical health? All right, let's do a quick checkup in each one of those. Like, how how would I check
0: my emotional health? Like, and and then how do I evaluate whether or not it's okay?
2: Yeah, well, emotional health is uh, you know a couple questions. The first one would be, am I aware of my emotions? You mm. know, a lot of people aren't even aware when I ask them, how do you feel? One of the main questions I get in my sessions when I'm talking to clients, how do you feel? What what feelings is that bringing up in you? You know, often people will say, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I'm not sure how I feel because we're not always good at being aware of how we feel. and putting a word to it, naming it. And let me just tell you all listening, the basic emotions are, Mad, sad, glad, but there are so many more emotions than that. And, and so it's a matter of just being aware of what do I actually feel right now? Is this insecurity? Is this fear, fear of rejection, fear of abandonment? Is this hurt? Is it embarrassment? Do I feel inadequate? There's so many words, you know, Google a list of emotions today and you will find 500 different emotions. Mm. You know, most people aren't even aware that there's that many. So the first thing is really, am I aware of my emotions? And and then do I express them in a healthy way to the people around me?
0: That's so good. Um, I remember an exercise. This is when my nephew, who I'll just, uh, I'll tell this part. He is now a very, very healthy um, sophomore in college. So, you know, when I when I tell you that he was diagnosed with leukemia when he was in the second grade... I'm going to go ahead and tell you the end of the story and that he's, you know, a healthy survivor of that. But I remember one of the exercises they actually had us do as a family. Um, yeah. And, you know, he was little and his sister was just, you know, 18 months older than him. But they gave each of us a paper bag, um, like a lunch bag. And there were these emotion words on little slips of paper all over the table. And there were tons of words. Um, and we were encouraged to put emotions that we thought other people could see that we were having on the outside of the bag. And then on the inside of the bag, we put emotions that we knew we were feeling, but we, we didn't think anybody could see. And Mm. that maybe we were even trying to keep hidden from each other. Um, And that was like one of those exercises that I did as an adult. And I thought to myself, this is so good. We should just do Mm. this with everybody all the time.
2: Yeah, it's true because You know, a big part of being emotionally healthy isn't just understanding your emotions and being aware of them, but it's also expressing them, you know, Mm -hmm. understanding what, what signal is this sending me and what do I need to do about it? So understanding your emotions, expressing them to the people around you. And Mm -hmm. then lastly, with emotional health, questioning your emotions. I always Mm -hmm. say that emotions are real, but they're not always true. They're not always telling us the truth. Sometimes they're emotions that come from something false that we're believing or perceiving. And so we don't want to be people who are led by our emotions, but we want to understand them. And I think all of that can be summed up in, you know, the section about becoming emotionally healthy people.
0: Yeah, that those emotions or feelings that are like rightly aligned. Am I having righteous, you know, righteous feelings? Um that's really good. That's a that's really good. Um let's jump to the second one here and that is the soul. How do yeah. I measure my spiritual
2: health? I would sum it up by saying a healthy connection with God, self and others. When we look mm. through scripture, uh, there's so much in there about relationship with God, but there's so much in there about relationship with others. And there's so much in there about relationship with self and a healthy relationship with God impacts all the rest. Mm -hmm. And I believe the reason that often we don't have a healthy relationship with God is because we have a tendency to transfer our hurts onto him. The things that people have done to us tend to be in a way how we perceive God. Well, maybe we perceive God as judgmental, you know, And maybe that comes from growing up with a parent who was really judgmental and and harsh and my way or the highway kind of parent. Without realizing it, oftentimes we allow the hurts that people have caused us to be the way that we see and perceive God. And so there's some work to be done there to make sure that we see God for who he is, not through the wounds that we have experienced.
0: Mm, That is so good. Um, So are you okay? Are you really okay? We're going to continue our conversation with Deborah Folletta here in just a moment. The book is, Are You Really Okay? Um, You can find it and lots of other great resources at DebraFolletta, F-I-L-E-T-A dot com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. When we come back, we're going to talk about our mental and our spiritual health. Uh, Getting healthy is an ongoing process. It requires um, us to stop and to Dig deep and to ask ourselves hard questions and to be, you know, well, frankly, brutally honest. So, are you really okay? Take a deep breath. We're going to continue the conversation in just a moment. You may not think of yourself as a courageous world changer, but you are. Sometimes fear rules the day and keeps us from identifying in these ways. But when you step out in faith and decide to take action in the moment, living this day in light of that day, in light of eternity, you change the world. Mornings with Carmen is part of listener supported Faith Radio. This content is only available because of your support. The impact on people's lives, the reach around the world, it all happens because you stand up to make a difference. Now is your time. So take the next step and be bold by joining the support team. Click the link in the show notes or go to myfaithradio.com and make this day count for that day. We're talking with Deborah Folletta. You can connect with her at com. The book we're bringing into view today is Are You Really Okay? And so just ask yourself, you know, am I really okay? A little um, checkup emotionally, check your heart, have a little spiritual checkup, check your soul. We're going to talk now about uh, a mental health checkup and then we'll move on to physical strength as well. So, Deborah, how... um I mean, you know, we've been talking actually across the culture about, you know, cognitive tests. When you talk about my mental
2: health, that's probably a range of things. Yeah, it is. It is. And there's different ways to view it. But I think the best place to start would be the the, the health of our thought life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because the health of our thought life does impact so many other areas. It actually impacts our stress levels. So we have this chemical in our body called cortisol. And depending on our thoughts and how healthy they are, we can actually change our cortisol level. Every time you think a positive thought, you release chemicals in your body that battle cortisol. Whereas when you think a negative thought, it increases your cortisol levels. So all that to say, I think it's fair that we start there because it does impact everything else, including our chemistry, including uh, the the things that end up leading to clinical anxiety and clinical depression and many other things that we battle. So that's a really great place to start. How healthy are your thoughts day to day? Mm, that's so good. Um,
0: I'm, I have a couple of phrases that come to mind that listeners will be very familiar with. Um, developing and applying the mind of Christ. Uh, to Mm -hmm. every matter of the day or taking every thought captive, um, right. To, you know, by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit actively at work within you. Like there are some times that I'm having a negative thought and I just literally ask the Holy Spirit to, to take it captive. Like go, go seize that thing and take hold of it. Cause I, I don't really know how to get rid of it otherwise. Um, and then that, um, that practice of, um, replacing something. So it's not just that I could tell myself to stop thinking about pink elephants, right? Right. But I have to right. replace the pink elephant thought with uh, you know, tigger like bouncing around on his tail. So <laughs> right. right, the the power of replacing um a negative thing with a positive thing.
2: Yeah. It's so important. You know, scripture gives us a formula for transformation. In Romans 12, it says, be transformed. Okay, how? The next Phrase by the renewing of your mind. That's the only way to be transformed. There is no other way to be transformed but starting with your mind. So one practice that I have people do on a regular basis is write down every thought that pops into your mind, specifically every negative thought for the next 24 hours. Take ownership of them because Oftentimes these thoughts pop in our mind and then they just pop right out. Like, for example, I just can't do this. I'm not capable. I'm not good enough. This is too much for me. Okay, write those thoughts down. Just write them all out on a note card, put them in your phone on a notes app and just keep track because when your eyes are open to your negative thinking, you realize how much you do it and it could be negative thoughts about the world. It could be negative thoughts about you. It could be negative thoughts about the people around you, negative thoughts about God. He doesn't really care. He doesn't love me. Is he even listening? And and start looking for patterns and themes in your negative thinking because that truly reveals a lot about the area that God needs to heal. And then just like you said, Carmen, you replace it. You know, oftentimes what I'll do is I'll take a piece of paper and fold it in half. On one side, I put the negative thoughts or the patterns of thinking. On the other side, I look through scripture and I say, where in God's word do I get a response to this negative thought? And I put those down on the right side of the paper and I read through them again and again and again in response to my negative thinking. That's how you begin replacing the negative, not just with positive, right? It's not Mm -hmm. just about replacing it with something positive that you make up. It's about replacing it with truth. And God's truth needs to be running through our mind. I mean, talk about decreasing your cortisol levels when you truly believe that God is good, that he is for you, that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And all of the things in God's word start becoming what your heart and mind dwells on. It it brings your thought life to a much healthier space.
0: Mm. Yeah, the question of what do you dwell on is so good. I'm writing that down. That's that comes in that in that conversation about patterns, like w- those patterns reveal what I'm dwelling on.
2: Um, and that is yeah. just so good. Um, and, and and oftentimes I, I just want to make people aware our our thought life is so automatic that we don't even realize it's happening sometimes. That's why we need to bring it into awareness. You know, I have four little kids and they love listening to, to kids music in the car. Well, sometimes I hop in the car by myself and the kid's music is playing in the background and I go like 10 miles and realize, wait a second, why am I still listening to this? Our thought life is so similar. It can become so familiar. We hear it all the time that we don't even realize how bad it is, how negative, how damaging. So this is why we've got to really at least take uh, uh, 24 hours at the minimum to just stop and take inventory of what's happening in our brain.
0: Mm, That is so good. Um, let's talk about physical health. This might be the most obvious one to uh, to many of us because you know, like, right, there is, <clears throat> there are measures of this that are uh, fairly easy, like you know, my jeans don't fit anymore or something like that. <laughs> so, right. talk with us about physical health and um,
2: and this measure of strength. Funny thing is, it's the most obvious, but also the the most neglected in the church. When was the last time you heard a sermon about your movement, your mm-hmm. sleep, your nutrition, right? And honoring the body that God has given us. We cannot go to Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth when we are sick and tired and unhealthy and depleted, right? Mm-hmm. And and so this physical body that God has given us is a body that we have to honor with what we put in our body, what we eat, how much we move, how much rest we receive, and also the boundaries that we set to protect our body, you know, as far as our overloaded schedules. And so many people are kind of running on e. They're burnt out. They have no energy Mm -hmm. left because they're not taking care of the temple that God has given them. And um, these, these areas of health are all interconnected. So you let one go and it starts to impact the rest. If you don't sleep for days on end, guess what? It is going to impact your emotional health and your mental health and your spiritual health. So God is a holistic God. It's not just one thing. It's not just sometimes we fixate on our spirituality at the neglect of our emotional health, our mental health, and our physical health. So being people of God and and not just people of God, healthy people of God means that we open our eyes to how we're doing in each of these areas.
0: Hmm, Yeah. Open my eyes that I may see. There are some very practical prayers. There are some um, very practical um, conversations to have with ourselves and with God and with others um, about helping us and being accountable um, let's just talk for a moment about bringing this out into the light and um and actually beginning to address our relative not okayness with others, yeah, because i I yeah. need help.
2: like I can't just do it by myself, I can't you know a phrase that's been going around these days we've we've seen a mental health crisis in the church. We've seen the increase of death by suicide and depression and anxiety. And a phrase that's been going around to counter that is the phrase, it's okay not to be okay. Mm. And I think that's so true, but I want to add to that phrase. It's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay there Mm -hmm. because God has better for you. God doesn't want you to remain in a place of not okay. And not only that, but there are solutions. We live in an age where thank God he has given us solutions to help us be okay. And, and not not only do we have his spirit, but we have mental health practitioners, we have counselors, we have doctors, we have medication, we have counseling, we have education. There's so much to do to to strengthen our muscles in each of these areas and get to a place where we are okay. And there is hope. And I say that. As a person who has struggled with depression and with anxiety and with panic attacks, and I'm a counselor, you know, if I am not immune to, to this stuff, then nobody is. And I truly believe that we've just got to get to a point in the church where we can say, you know what, I'm not okay. But hey, can you help me get to yeah. a better place? And my hope for this book is that it will give people hope. It will give them a roadmap map to kind of give, help them take inventory. You know, each ap- each chapter ends with a five-minute checkup. How are you doing in this area? I Let's like talk about it. Let's yeah. talk through it so that we can get you to a better place.
0: We got to leave it right there. Deborah Folletta is a Faith Forward licensed professional counselor. She actually heads up a counseling network. You can um, connect with her at com. Obviously, the book we've been talking about today, Are You Really OK?, is available there as well. Deborah, as always, um, thank you so much for joining us. All right. We are out of time today, but let me um, remind you to set, set your uh, clock, set your alarm for Monday morning, the 6 to 7 a.m. Central Time, 6 to 7 a.m. Central Time, Um, first hour of our Faith Radio fundraiser is going to be really, really special. I don't want you to miss it. I can't tell you now what's so special about that hour, but you don't want to miss it. And so set an alarm, make it an appointment listening hour, 6 to 7 a.m. Central, Monday morning, September 25. It's going to be the first leadoff hour of our Faith Radio fall fundraiser. If you haven't done so already, thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support.